Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? So last Sunday, the 26th of September, was the general election in Germany. And Germany has been under the leadership of Merkel for a very long time. She announced that she would not be running as the candidate for her party in this election. So it's been a very exciting election because it's the first time, I believe, in 15 years, 16 years, that Germany's having a change of leadership. And the strongest party in this year's election was the SPD, which is the Social Democratic Party. Next came the CSU CDU, sometimes called the Union. Then came the Green Party. And then came the FDP. Disappointingly, the AfD, which is the far-right party, got 10.8% of the votes, which is a fall from the last election where they got 12%, which makes you think, what happened there? Why did 2% less vote? Where did the votes go? How did this happen? Why are 10.8% even voting for them anyway? But yeah, so this week, the election has been on my mind, what this means for Germany and how we move forward from here. Yes, it was very close and exciting and different election because for the first time since the war the two main parties which used to get 40 percent didn't do that they got about 25 percent and like you said the vote was kind of split across several different parties which means now we're going to go into a period of coalition talks where kind of everyone's in the running. There are a lot of different formations that can happen. And until a government is formed and a chancellor is chosen, Merkel's in charge. The prediction is this is going to take months. She's probably going to do the New Year's Christmas speech or whatever it is because it won't be decided by then. The possible coalitions, so to form a coalition, the parties should hold more than 50% of the seats in the Bundestag. So we could have, for example, a traffic light coalition. It's the SPD, so the centre-left, the Greens, and the FDP, which is the libertarian centre-rightish party. Or we could have the Jamaica coalition, which is the CDU, CSU, the Greens, and the FTP. Or we could have actually a grand coalition like we've been having, the SPD and the CSD, CSU. But that's unlikely because that's been the government so far and I think everyone wants to change, including those two parties. So really, in this sort of formation, the Greens and the FTP have a lot of power, even though they have less votes they could really influence the politics and the agenda of the next government. So what they do now is they hash it out with policies and they do these negotiations to say which each party really wants. And the funny thing is the Greens are a bit sort of centre-left and the FDP is kind of centre-right. So that's interesting. You were talking about the AFD and yes, they fell by, I think, 2.3%. So they did lose some votes. However, in the East, it gained a lot of the vote. So the party came in first in Saxony and Thuringia with 24.6% and 24% of the vote respectively. That's massive. But yeah, they didn't do as well as expected. And also the left, which is also kind of a bit more radical, didn't do very well. So altogether, we are sort of still very much within the centre 
even though, like I said, in the East, the AFD did perform well. And then what was really interesting was that there was an age divide in the voting. So a lot of younger people actually voted for the FDP and the Greens, the majority of younger people, whereas, you know, older people voted the majority of them for the SPD and the CSU, CDU, which is interesting because it's linked to identity and politics and I guess younger people have a different agenda. It's just that there are less young people voting in Germany than the older people, which is why I guess those main big parties still did get more of the vote. But yeah, like I said, it's the first time since the war that those big parties are not really dominating in the way they used to. So that's really interesting. And the CDU, CSU did terribly because everyone hates Armin Laschet. Where Merkel has held her seat since, I don't know, 1990 or something, they lost that. He lost his own region, which is Nordrhein-Westfalia. They lost a lot, so they did really, really badly. And that is very interesting because we're seeing a kind of slight shift towards the left. They lost a lot of their votes towards the left, which is interesting too, which might mean a resurgence of the left, So, which is not bad. Yeah, I think that among first-time voters, the FDP and the Green Party were the two parties that they voted for. I also wonder, because when you say that everyone hates Amin Lashid, which like, yeah, is definitely true, he's a ridiculous individual, but I wonder if it was a weird combination of people, like Amin Lashid has done some major faux pas, including like laughing in the background of news reports while he was visiting flood victims, kind of being embarrassed by children asking him questions. He just is run into one faux pas after another. And Olaf Scholz, on the other hand, like we've discussed this in previous episodes, has sort of taken the Merkel approach and sort of has kind of branded himself as her successor. And I was talking to my mom about this, and she was saying that she thinks that a lot of people have voted for Olaf Scholz not necessarily for the SPD. Of course, they voted for the SPD because that's how it works in Germany. But, you know, they voted for him. And maybe that's why they've gained seats. That's, I mean, a very, you know, lightweight analysis. But I think that it makes sense because when it comes to elections, humans are very simple at the end of the day. So if they like someone, the likelihood that they'll vote for them is higher, right? Like, People aren't going to look that deeply into, I mean, obviously some people will, but the majority of people are not going to go and read the entire manifesto of a party. They're going to be like, oh, this guy reminds me of Merkel, or he seems competent. I'm going to vote for him. And there was also a lot of kerfuffle because it, for a minute, it looked like in Berlin we were going to have to do re-votes because there was a catastrophe with Berlin-specific voting. And the woman who runs it in Berlin, she has stepped back because it's been such a mess. There was talk of like votes not being counted, not enough people turning out to vote. I just got the push notification a little while ago that said, no, there was not going to be a re-voting or we were not going to have to all go vote again. But then for a while, it looked like we did. And in Berlin, we were voting on whether or not we should seize Deutsche Wohnen. And I believe that 55% of the people who voted voted yes, we should seize it, which is also super interesting because it's not legally binding. So we just voted on this thing. What does it mean? I mean, I guess it sends a message. It shows you how Berlin is thinking. But is it a good thing? That is very typically Berlin, isn't it? What a mess. 
so we're gonna get our first ever female mayor in Berlin. Her name is Francisca Giffey. Actually, she was forced to resign last year over some plagiarism scandal. There's so many plagiarism scandals in Germany. I think it's because everyone has got to do a PhD and they just do it really fast just to have one because the title means a lot. Anyway, she um, is from the SPD, so that's good. The Deutsche Wohnung thing was interesting because I think on the last podcast when we were like, oh yeah, Berlin has a housing crisis, so yeah, it should be yes. And then when it came to voting, I looked at it in detail and I thought, well... Just them buying these apartments doesn't actually really solve anything. And it could be a bit of a mess. And then it's like wasting all of Berlin's money on these flats that already exist. Shouldn't they make new flats or solve it in some other way? And I guess there is a rent control element to it. But is the government, like we just said, the government is pretty inefficient. And so in the end, I actually ended up voting no for that one. And the new mayor said that she was against the results of the referendum where 56% of Berliners voted to seize back thousands of apartments from corporate landlords in order to control the rents. But she said that she would respect the referendum. So it is going to be very interesting to see how that one really does play out. It's a non-binding vote, but it does put a lot of pressure on politicians to act on the fact that housing and affordable housing in the city is becoming a massive problem. So, yeah, let's see how that works out. Yeah, Francisca Giffey is a terrible person. She is the person who, when in Berlin, they cleared all of the homeless camps in response to that said, those who can't afford to live in Berlin need to return to Romania. So she's a fantastic person. She's great, and I'm really glad that she's now mayor of this city. Also, she's in the SPD. That's a very AfD, CSU thing to say, so that's a confusing sentiment. But I guess that just shows that maybe humans are just garbage, regardless of what party they belong to. And it's going to be interesting to see how we move forward from here. I mean, in an ideal world, this entire capitalistic system would fold and we would be free but obviously that's not going to happen but yeah i think that like given the sort of lineup that we have right now i think that the ideal situation would be the spd the greens and the fdp not that i am such a big fan of you know the spd or the fdp but i think that given the parties that have enough sway power i think that's the best solution because i don't want the ifd in power and i don't want the csu to in power so that seems like the best option because even though, you know, the FDP are more like business minded, they have some interesting things around digitalization. And if you live in Germany, you know how old school and slow things are here. And also, I think that they're quite small, like in terms of how much power they have. So they don't have that much sway. But yeah, that's my thoughts and feelings. How do you feel? What would be your ideal setup? So I did not know that about Francisca. That's disappointing because I just think SPD, yeah, she must be kind of socialist, but apparently not. That is confusing. Wow. How do I feel? I agree. The SPD, the Greens and the FTP could be good because, yeah, I mean, we do need to support digitization and innovation and things like that. And also both the Greens and 
well, actually, all those parties stand for a very strong Europe, which is great. Greens, obviously, have the green policy, and SPD, theoretically, you have a kind of centre-left sort of policy. So that would be the best combination, I guess. And another side note, which I found quite interesting, was that Schleswig-Holstein, a state in Germany, they have a party representing the Danish and Frisian minority in Germany, and it made it into parliament for the first time in 70 years. It's called the SSW, and it basically means the Voters' Union of South Schleswig. And it will get one single seat. It only got 0.1% of the overall vote, but it's exempt from the normal 5% threshold to get into the Bundestag because it represents a national minority. I never knew about any of that. And then I remember when I opened the voting thing, because I did a postal vote, and there were five pieces of paper, all different colours, with loads of instructions, and I was completely confused, even though I had looked at exactly how it works and everything, but it was just confusing, all the paperwork and the complexity of the system. And it's still confusing now because... I think we've got about 735 seats in the parliament, so it's supposed to be like the biggest parliament ever, because in the German electoral system, nobody ever knows just how big the parliament would be, like how many seats there would be, because the top candidate in each constituency gets a seat, which is 299 of them, and then there are another 299 seats for the party lists in the 16 federal states, or the Bundeslander. And then, after that, so we've still got 137 extra seats left, the second preference votes come in based on the population in each state and how many votes go to a second place party in each one. And then each party needs to clear a 5% minimum vote share or win three constituency seats in order to enter parliament. So anyway, it's still super confusing to me, the whole thing. Yeah, same. I find it super confusing. I feel like every time we do one of these podcast episodes about the election, I like read up on it and I, for about five minutes, understand the way it works. And then the second I try to remember or explain it or think about it, I'm like, wait, how does it work? Yeah. And I think also in Berlin, like we had the most votes, not in terms of individual votes, but we were voting on the most things. So it was just It's very overwhelming. It's very confusing. I do have to say it's really good that we vote on a Sunday because like, for example, in the US, you vote on a Tuesday, which automatically sort of excludes a lot of people and makes it super difficult to vote. At work, we were talking about the election and one of my American colleagues said just this specifically because someone else was like, I had to wait in line two hours to vote. And she was like, two hours, that's nothing. In the US, sometimes you have to wait all day. And it's so bad to an extent that there are organizations that have made it their sole mission to provide people who are waiting in line to vote with like food or pizzas just to like encourage people to stay in line and vote. Yeah, it's confusing and overwhelming. And I think it's also very unique. I mean, again, I say this without knowing how the voting system works in many other countries, but I think in the US it's or in the UK, it's like, oh, they've counted the votes. But in Germany, this whole like, oh, it can, you know, Merkel's going to be our chancellor for like another couple of months until they work this out because there's negotiations. And I remember in the last negotiation, it was like the Greens folded on some of their principles pretty quickly. And 
kind of becomes a weird thing where I can't help but feel like, oh, we voted for these parties, but actually now it's out of our hands. And regardless of who we voted for, we might end up with a completely different coalition than what the majority of people want. But then you would hope that the people you vote for also stick to their principles and stick to why you voted for them. You know, you did vote for them to represent you. It becomes a mess and it's so overwhelming. And I hope that we have a new chancellor soon. I did see a really, really funny tweet. And the tweet itself was actually like the original tweet was made a really good point. So if you don't know, Germans call Merkel Mutti, which means mommy. There is kind of a, well, not kind of, there's a super sexist kind of element to this if you really stop and think about it. Because I think that at first glance, it's kind of charming and sweet because people are like, ah, she like looks after us and she's there for us. But if you actually take a step back and think about it, you're like, "Mm," it's like delegating women back into this like caring role into like stereotypes and all these really terrible things that are often associated, you know, stereotypically associated with women. And so someone tweeted, if we get a chancellor, are you all going to call him Fati then? And obviously not. They would never do that because that's that's stripping a man of his masculinity, but it's okay to call a woman Muti. Although I have to say that Yasmina Barek, who I love, you should all go follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter. She's a journalist. She's super smart, super articulate. She just responded to that tweet with daddy. And I laughed because I thought that was so funny. She's so funny. But the original tweet makes a very good point. And yeah, let's see how Germany progresses after so many years until Merkel's leadership. Yeah, it's definitely very confusing. And yes, the confusion is going to continue. And because we don't have a first past the post system where it's just like one party in power, we do have this weird thing where in the end, it almost even doesn't matter so much who you vote for because everything's in negotiation anyway and everything's sort of quite center anyway which is kind of good on one hand because many different interests in society do get represented and I think that's what Merkel was doing anyway she was sort of not sticking to a strong ideology right she was just going along in this pragmatic way and responding but it does mean yeah that ideology is kind of dead And then, yeah, going back to the Berlin confusing thing, because I wasn't prepared for how many parties were running in Berlin. There was a hip-hop party, and I was strongly, strongly almost compelled to vote for them. And then I was trying to figure out the strategic thing, because I was thinking, oh, it might be nice, the Tierschutzpartei, which we're closest aligned to for, I don't know, the second seat or something, and then the Greens for another thing, and then I just couldn't figure out how to do it, so I (laughs) just ticked everything however in the easiest way but yeah I feel like it's a little bit exclusionary to have such a complicated system because like you say if we read about it and figure it out and and we still get confused when we open all of those pieces of paper it's gonna be very confusing for a lot of people of a lot of different abilities or people who have different challenges to really figure out and vote for their interests. And on that note, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one, please vote. It's really important. Because even if you don't agree with the system, all the silly right-wing people are going to vote, and they will win, and we still have to live in this society. So please go vote. And thing two, as we were saying, 
politics can be very confusing. So don't be too hard on yourself if you get confused. Or if you have a friend or somebody else who is confused, it's always good to kind of talk it out and try and figure it out together or help other people who are a little bit overwhelmed to be and stay informed. And thing three, there are other ways to get involved in politics beyond voting. There's volunteering, there's flyering, signing petitions. So if you can't vote or there's no election going on at the moment, you can still be politically active in other ways. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.